What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 29 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Go grab yourself some body armor. Tell them Combo sent you. Today's show, Smush Parker joins in. Think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Make sure you follow Smush on IG at Smush underscore Parker underscore Elite. Smush has a bunch of camps and clinics going on for the kids around the country. So make sure you follow him on IG to learn more. He also has some great merchandise. So go grab some Smush gear. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Let's get into it. since me and you've been out there on the court, man, what's it been, like, four or five years since the last time yeah, you and I, been... you, know, uh, you know, got a chance to play with or against each other? Definitely. And I don't even know if you remember this, but it was about 10 years ago we first worked out at Westchester. It was uh, me, you, CJ Miles, and um, seeing the progression as you as a player and person has been amazing, man. Wow, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> All I remember is the workouts at uh, the bathhouse in the Kennedy Center uptown in Harlem. Yeah, I definitely remember the workouts with Skip, the two-on-two full courts. I know you remember yes, that. Sir. Yes, we, sir. Yes, we sir. Definitely want, we definitely won a lot of games together, two-on-two fulls. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we definitely put in, that, put in that work. So, uh, man, you definitely had an unconventional route, so I wanted to take it all the way back to the beginning. Where did your hoop journey begin? Um, the day I was born, June 1st, 1981. Wow. You no, know, I was born with the basketball. So growing up in New York City, like, how do you feel that added to your game and as a person from a mentality point of view? Well, you know, growing up in New York City, as you know, um, there's a basketball court in every corner of New York City. Yep. Is New York City basketball in New York City is unlike basketball in any other city, any other town, in any other country. Here, it's more than a sport; it's a lifestyle. You know, you wake 100%. up and you play ball. You uh, go to sleep, you're playing ball. You're at recess, you're playing ball. You're in school, you're playing ball. You're playing ball in your free time. Even if you don't like basketball, you're always around a basketball court. So right. For me, it was an easy sport to uh, to kind of you know get you know get involved in. You know, my mom played basketball, my dad played basketball, so I was always around the game. Even when I couldn't, you know, dribble a ball or carry a ball or hold a basketball, I was always around it. So I was always hearing the rhythm of the game, the beat of the game. I was always watching the energy of the game. So when I got a chance to uh, you know, play, you know, when I was old enough to play and hold the ball and shoot and things like that, it was already embedded into 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 my bloodline pretty much. And I just, you know, kind of fell in line with the rhythm of the game, with the science of the game. I kind of know what park you grew up in, but, you know, there's a million parks in New York City. Where exactly did you grow up and learn the game? Okay. Um, I mean, there was a, a bunch of parks that my dad used to play in all the time, and he brought me to um, – I have memories of – you know, every Saturday morning, uh, you know, for me, my dad would take me to Tillery Park in Brooklyn, and him and his friends would play from, like, early. It, they'd be out there 6.30 a.m. and wow. play all the way until maybe 11, and then, you know, the younger younger guys would get out there from 11 to, you know, 2, and then, or I'm not going to say the younger guys, you know, the, you know, just maybe like the 20-year-olds 20, 20 would get out there right. later, but the 
you know, the the older, you know, more seasoned guys get out there early, they play, they get they they get the basketball out of the way and then they start their day. So I was always out there in the wee in the wee hours of the morning, just out there watching my dad play. And uh but for me, I grew up watching, you know, and playing and honing my skills at West Fourth Street. Right. Uh no, that's where I got a chance to, you know, uh develop and practice what I you know I was watching and what I've learned and you know, playing against those guys, uh the the men in that part, you know, really, you know, shape, you know, how it sh- just shaped my toughness. Shape my toughness uh for the uh for the game. Right. I feel like, you know, with skill development is so prevalent right now, which is great. But back then when we were younger, um, I don't want to sound like we're old guys, but back then when we were younger, <laughs> it was more playing, you know, we just played and played and played and played our sport for hours, the game that we love. Yeah. You know, uh, that, and that's one thing that's missing from the game. Now it's um, back then. Uh, we, I, I, I see it as the, uh, the analog phase, you know, right. we, we actually have to be more hands-on and we right. were definitely more hands-on with the sport, you know, um, in order to, in order to build your name, to build your rep, to you know, kind of get your, your your game out there, you actually had to, you know, put in the put in the work. You actually had to travel. You actually had to bring your own ball. You actually had to fight to stay on the court. Now, you know, you could go to a, a gym and you know, you know, drill between your legs eighteen times and and put a <laughs> video out, and now your 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 video is viral and you're famous for just dribbling your, dribbling the ball between your legs. And it's it's, right. it's real. It, it, it's it's watered down. The game is, you know, I'm sorry to say, but the game is definitely watered down now. No, man, you're just being honest. I, uh, Rodney Parker, man, no relation. What was his influence on you? Listen, Rodney Parker, uh, I, I contribute, you know, 90% of my success to that man. Wow. Now, like you said, no relation, but um, he discovered me actually playing in the uh, playgrounds of West 4th Street when I was 15 years old. Um, he introduced my introduced himself after you know he uh, I guess you know he said a couple weeks a month a year to you know watch me playing and just pick up and uh, he was like listen you know I there's some guys over in this section of New York you know I need you to come to this gym and play and I I've never you know I've played in my local area you know downtown Brooklyn downtown Manhattan but I never like really traveled to like Queens and the Bronx and. Harlem and all these other places to play, and he was like, "Listen, there's a good, there's there's good run uptown, you know. There's some good players up there. Let's let you know, come up there and you know play against this guy." So I I traveled with him, and you know he kind of opened up the the doors of New York City, and the different levels of basketball in New York City for me, which also I, I would say you know um, you know built a competitive nature in me because again he was exposing me to other players, right? Other you know. Guys from Harlem play differently than guys in Brooklyn. Guys in Queens play differently than guys in, you know, let's just say, you know, out of the Bronx. 100%. So so uh, when he did that, he just raised the level of play in me and the level of fight that, uh, you know, I, I needed to get to the next level. Yeah. You and not you... just that. And I'm sorry, not to cut you on, not just that. He he actually helped me, you know, he, he, he pointed me in the right direction and what high school to go to what college to go to and you know he just put me on a straight line of things i needed to do and you know the ways i need to follow to get to the nba and i just everything he laid out i just followed and it was a, a, it was a track to get me from where i was at where i put myself at to get to the nba 
Yeah, it, it, it was a it was an unconventional route because most guys are playing AAU from ninth grade and um, big time high school. I'm talking about guys that make the league. Yes, big sir. time, big time high school basketball from a young age. Um, can you kind of speak to that unconventional route that is a little bit different from the average NBA player? Oh yeah, I I, I highly doubt if there's you no know, more than two or three stories that went my way. When you say unconventional, it was really unconventional. Um, I, uh, my, you know, a lot of people don't know my story. Um, it's unfortunate because it does me, it doesn't do me any, uh, it does, it does me a disservice when, when guys, you know, say, uh, I suck or, wow, uh, I didn't deserve to be in the NBA. I was the worst point guard in the NBA when they don't realize the fight that I need to, I, I put forth. I had to be exceptional. hundred Point blank period. You know, I was, I didn't go to Duke. I didn't go to North Carolina. I didn't go to Arizona. I didn't go to UConn. I didn't go to all these big universities. Um, But I still made it to the NBA. I didn't get drafted, but I still made it to the NBA. Uh, Every situation that I was in, I was a walk-on. When I, you know, got to, when I I went undrafted in 2002, um, Played in three NBA, three out of four NBA summer leagues that season or that summer. Got invited to Cleveland Cavaliers camp as a walk-on or just as a name to fill a, fill a, fill a roster out for preseason. Beat out every point guard that, that they brought in. And then, you know, people forget that my my season, my rookie season, 15 games into the season, I was the starting point guard. What scrub ends up the starting point guard in the NBA their rookie season? No, and, it's, unheard, I mean, it's unheard of. And, and, it's unheard, and, and, that, and, and that's just, you know, the top part. They don't understand, the, you know, the high school. I only played one year high school basketball. They don't know that I went to, you know, junior college for one year because of my grades. I wasn't able to go to a four-year university, so I had to go to JUCO. I played there one year, transferred out, went to Fordham, a Jesuit school, not known for their basketball. We won three games that season. And I still made it. How do I make it to the NBA from Fordham University, a team that won three games that season? Or maybe not. I think we were like nine for 27. So what what was it like playing for Bob Hill in your experience at Fordham? Just uh, take it back a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really remember too much about my <laughs> college experience. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm 37, man. That was over 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was. Or just about 20 years ago, I should say. Um, so I just know that when I decided to go to Fordham and I knew he was the head coach, I was like, listen, the end game is the NBA. He coached in the NBA for 15 years. Who better to prepare me for the NBA besides the ex-NBA coach? Right. Right. So, so it was a long time. Do you remember the process of, cause you only did one year at Fordham, that process of from Fordham to the NBA, like what'd you have to go through? Like what teams you worked out with? Yeah. I, again, um, I entered the, the uh, I entered the draft in 2002, and quite frankly, I didn't even want to enter the draft at 2002. I just wanted to test the waters. Uh, back then, you know, you could uh, you could put your name in a draft, go to all the combines, and then pull your name out before the draft. Right. I did I did that because I wanted to see the competition level or what it would take for me to get to that level you know, the, the, the NBA level or to be recognized, to be seen. Um, the guys that were actually coming out and, like, really going through the draft, I wanted to play against them to see what I needed to do 
the year coming up in college to work on. So I put my name in a draft and I'm playing against guys, you know, like Juan Dixon and Danny Dickow and Frank Thomas and, you know, all these guys, you know, all the names, to, all the big, yeah, names. yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to the, the Gonzagas and the Maryland's and, um, you know, whatever college they was going to. And I was, <laughs> I was cooking, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to say that I was, I was right. playing well, really well, extremely well. And I, and I realized that I could, really play at that level and my game you know really you know was at a different level than theirs it was above their level even though they went to a, a bigger university and they had the, the name behind them my game definitely you know showed that I was at that level and above it was undeniable yeah it was yeah. undeniable I, I, I it was undeniable to, in my eyes and they was telling me you know coaches was you know coach, all those coaches the teams the scouts for all the NBA teams uh, were asking and talking and, you know, my unsigned agent at the time, you know, I sat down with him after all the combines and he was like, listen, everybody's inquiring and they're saying that you're good enough to stay. Uh, we weighed out all my options and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep my name in the draft and uh, um, see what happens. And then from there, from there, they, I, I, uh, what I do? Was it the combines? It was the combines. It was it was a combination of the combines and working out for the individual teams directly. Right. You know they they, they bring in you know four four guys at the same position and they you know have a like a little workout and in the workouts you know they you know have you know these shooting drills, dribbling drills, competitions, one on ones, things like that. And I was I was face to face going head to head with the top four guard, point guards in the draft except for one. Jason Williams at the time, he was from Duke. He, he didn't have to work out. I mean, he was going one or two or whatever he went that year. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was, I was like, I was just, I was looking these guys in the eye, you know, every workout, these same guys. We, I went to, I went to about 20 workouts that, that, uh, that year for 20 wow. different teams. And I, you know, they kept bringing in the same guys because we were the only, only the biggest point guards in the draft. And, I was looking at these guys in every workout, and I was going at them. And to tell you the truth, by I'm gonna tell you the truth by about the fourth or fifth uh, tryout, guys just stopped showing up to these team workouts. Wow! They stopped. They stopped showing up because I was coming, and that's that's the guys on the truth. Yeah, because they're optional at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so then, so so who was the first team you signed with? Uh, my first team that I undrafted, I, I, I went undrafted and I right. got invited to the Cleveland Cavaliers camp after three summer leagues. And um, I got signed um, as an undrafted free, a free agent rookie to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. And what comes with, like, you're from, I don't, I, I don't know your financial situation, um, but I'm imagining that was a pretty hefty check for you once you started playing in the league. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was the first. <laughs> it was pretty much my first. Well, I'm not gonna say my first job. Right. No, it's, it's funny because I actually worked in the NBA still before I got to the NBA. <laughs> that is that is crazy. That is crazy. That's, that's, you're, you're, that's, that's, that's a funny story. I don't I don't really tell too many people that I actually uh, applied and started. I was working in retail for the NBA wow. over on Fifth Avenue uh, before I got to the NBA. That is crazy. That's a combos court exclusive right there. So yeah, what combos what, court exclusive? What comes with getting a check like that? Like the good, the bad. Like what comes oh, with man. making that kind of money at a young age? Just a kid from New York City. 
Well, you know, I, I, you're right. You know, I was a young kid from New York City. I didn't, didn't have everything I wanted. Had what I needed. That's you know, one thing I, I am learning is I had what I needed. I didn't have everything I wanted. Right. Um, but you know, when you aren't familiar with having money, when you get it, it's almost like you don't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it. So I had it and I splurged as, you know, everybody, you know, uh, says that they would. I actually really did splurge. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, I could imagine at that age, that kind of money. Uh, would you do things differently or would you just that's just something you felt like helped you in the long run or? You know what? It, it's a, it's it, That's a, a great area for me because I wish I had the knowledge that I have now. Yeah, I would have made better decisions with the money that I received. But, you know, I I don't, you know, everything is a part of God's plan. So there was a reason why I'm, you know, I had it and I didn't know what to do with it then. And and I'm sitting here now a wiser man because of it. So I'm not, I'm I'm torn because I do definitely wish that I, I knew I, I, I definitely wish I had the mind that I have now back then. But at the same time, I don't want to be like, I wish I, th- I did this better. And, right. You know, because I, I don't want to go against God. You know, I don't, you know, want to get, I don't, I don't want to, you know, act like, you know, God made a mistake. Right? You know, it's, it's kind of a gray area for me. I got you. I got you. You're saying you don't have regrets. Yeah. I, yeah. Definitely don't have no regrets. Yeah. So what was your next step after Cleveland? Uh, no finished the season out, had a pretty decent year. Pretty right. decent We're starting. Year, you know, We're yeah, starting. for, for yeah. my rookie season. I was playing against great point guards that year. Jason Kidd. Um yeah. who else was uh great that year? Uh well Tony Parker was young and the Chris Pauls was young and uh um Darren Williams, those guys were were tough and, right. Um I listen, Jason Kidd was the, the Jason Kidd was it. He was he was the point guard in that era. Definitely. Jason definitely. I, I, think guess, he's, I, yeah. I think he's almost underrated at this point. Yeah, definitely underrated at this point. But he was definitely at the top. Oh, how can I forget? Chauncey Billups. Great point guard. Chauncey Billups. That you ended up playing with. Yeah, right? actually, I did end up playing with in Detroit the very next season. Uh, oh, was it, was, it, was it the very next season? Yeah. And you know what? You know, I, here's another Combos, uh, combos uh, Court podcast exclusive. So the last game of the season. Last game of the season. The only reason why I, I know the story is because I think I have Rasheed Wallace. Uh, or Yep, I have Rasheed Wallace the very next season come up and thank me because of it. So the last game of the season, um, we were playing the Detroit Pistons in Detroit, and we were down by one for um, with like a couple seconds left. And Ricky Davis was at the free throw line. And this was – this game was to determine whether the Detroit Pistons, you know, got into some kind of seed and they 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 would be placed at either one or two that season or, or whatever had you. So we were down by one, Ricky Davis at the free throw line, and he shoots and the ball comes off the rim and I go up. Like I come from the three point line, I run in like a Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I come in and I, yep. and I and I tip dunk it. Over Rasheed Wallace, but I I tipped on it, but it, it misses, 
And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, really, like, really, like, like sad. But I mean, it, it is what it is. I missed the dunk. Yeah. And that's the year that they went on to win a championship that year. And the very next season, when I just when I signed the Detroit Pistons, he actually came up. Rasheed Wallace came up and thanked me. He was like, "Listen, thank you for missing that dunk. Because had you missed that dunk, had you made that dunk, it would have changed the course of our playoff." Um, our playoff run, like we would have had to, you know, play a tougher team or, or whatever. Yeah. Was like, but because you missed that that dunk and we won, we had, you know, the, it, all the pieces fell into play, and we were able to win the championship. That is crazy. Yeah. It, it's crazy how one play could change the whole outlook on a season. Yeah, exactly. So, so after Cleveland, you went overseas, correct? Yeah, I actually uh, ended up in Greece. How was that experience? And just knowing that you were an NBA player. Not not taking anything away from overseas basketball. I played ten years overseas, but you knew you were an NBA player playing over there. What what did you meant like mentally? What was going through your head? Like I'm in Greece, but I know I belong in the NBA. Mentally, uh, I was actually all for it. Uh, although okay. Okay. I, although it it did sadden me that I wasn't able to play in the NBA, and. I knew I was good enough to play in the NBA and unfor- unfortunate circumstances. I, you know, wasn't playing at the NBA at the time. I uh, signed with the Atlanta Hawks preseason uh, camp, best player okay. in the camp. But uh, due, to, to, due to the business of basketball, which that's a whole different segment. Right. Um, I wasn't signed. Um, I did a couple games in the, and back then they didn't have the NBDL. They had the CBA. Right. They had the right. CBA back then. So I played in, the, I played like, maybe five games in the CBA and the accommodations back then <laughs> were a lot different than they are now for the lower level, like le- the, the lower uh, professional leagues outside of the NBA. Right. So the conditions weren't the greatest. So I was just like, you know what? This is for the birds. I'm not waiting a long time. This was my thought process. I'm going overseas. Um, one, to, you know, it was a heftier paycheck and two, I was I was all about new experiences, right? You know, so I wanted a new. So I want you know basketball has definitely been a passport for me to travel the world and it's opened the doors to different countries and uh, ethnic uh, ethnic groups and and people and it's just a, it, it's opened the door for a different world for me. So again, I, I made a decision to go over to Greece and my mindset at the time was yeah I'm an NBA player, uh, but I'm in great Greece right now. Greece was great. Greece was wonderful. I want to retire in Greece, actually. And I'm like, you know what? The, <laughs> I, I was walking around like, this This league is beneath me. These players are beneath me. I'm going to just come out here and like win this championship and then go back to the NBA. And that's exactly what I did. It's funny. Some people come with that mentality and it hurts them, but I guess it didn't hurt you. Like, come, they go overseas and they're like, I'm just better than everybody. I play in the league. And then sometimes it doesn't work out, but it worked out well, for you. Well, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> you know what? I, I was still hungry at the time. Right. Still, I had that confidence. It's a difference. I had the confidence, right? But I didn't have that cockiness. It's a difference. Hundred percent. Yeah. You no know, people. Some guys go in there with that cockiness, and they think that because they played in the NBA, they they're entitled to certain things. I went in there with the confidence, like, oh yeah, I'm an NBA player, but and I'm gonna prove it. I'm gonna prove why I, I deserve to be in the NBA or why I played in the NBA, and go out there and prove it. Yeah, yeah. Confidence is everything in basketball for sure. Yeah. So it definitely I, worked in my favor because I actually worked to get to, you know, uh, 
the champ I earned the Greek Cup that year and I earned being able to come back and play in the NBA the very next season. So who'd you play with the next season? Uh oh excuse me, the Detroit Pistons. So it, it had to be like maybe two years after, I'm sorry. So I played with the Detroit Pistons when I came back. And then uh, and then uh, they released me three four three months into the season I played uh got two ten day contracts with the Phoenix Suns that season. Played in the first year of the MBDL, got the uh MBDL's first two triple doubles. Wow. I would have had four, you know. Uh, unfortunately I got teched out of both of those games. Switch your laid back guy, how'd that happen? Huh? You're a laid back guy. How'd that happen? How you I'm, I'm very competitive. I'm very I got competitive. you. Okay. So okay. Uh, I got I got checked out of uh, uh, two games where I had uh, I was what maybe two assists shy of triple double, uh, and we were only in the third quarter. So t- just back to Detroit real quick. Two things I want to talk about Detroit. First, man, Larry Brown was a great coach. What was it like playing for him? Oh no, it was uh, well playing for him is a is a complete nightmare. Oh man! You know, for for me, uh, I'm gonna say that for me is a complete night. Why was it like? Was it too structured? Was no, it too... it's not even that it's too structured. He he overcoaches. Right, right. Okay. You know, he's a screamer. Okay. You no, know, um, he's a screamer. Even to, you even know, to Chauncey he's... and them, was he was he screaming to everybody? No, he screams what? that he that's 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 how that's his coaching style. He screams. Okay. He okay. it's not that he chooses who not to scream at or chooses who he screams okay. at. He that's just the, his coaching style. Like if you ever watch. Old videos, he's screaming from the sideline. Set the back screen. Set the screen. Set the pick. Run five. Do this. Cut. Pass. Shoot. Yeah. Dribble. Oh uh, that's a, that's that's his coach's style, and it, it's just a very uneasy uh, environment. It was an uneasy environment to play in, um, where it, it didn't feel like the game flowed. It was always you get it, and you know you hear like this nagging voice in the back of your head. Pass the ball, and you're like, I, pass it to who? <laughs> he trying to. <laughs> it's like he wanted to be on the court, and make yeah, the plays exactly. for everybody. But you know, off the court, Larry Brown has to be one of the greatest coaches I've ever played for. He's he's so, a great guy. So great coach, but tough to play for. Great guy, but tough to play for. Basically. Yeah, I mean, even he's even a great coach. Yeah, he's just yeah, tough yeah. to play for. Yeah. Yeah, and what people might not know is you were on the floor for the Malice in the Palace. Man. Yes, yes, I was a part of that. I was a part of that uh, historic moment. <laughs> oh man, what was going through your head, man? I would... Honestly, I just wanted to play some basketball. That's <laughs> that's that was what was going through my head. I was playing behind Chauncey Billups, and I was playing behind Lindsey Hunter, so um, I wasn't getting as much tick as I wanted. So right. I was. It was actually like. The fourth quarter, you know I mean, the game had already been decided who was going to win. So I guess that's what they call garbage time. Okay. And I was okay. in the game, you know, getting some minutes. And I, I think I checked in the game maybe two or three minutes prior. And and then you're like, now this time, yeah. come on. And man. if you watch the videotape, I'm number seven. I'm the one actually with the basketball sitting at half court. If you uh, watch when uh, Ron Artis gets hit with that cup. And oh, I'm just man. watching everything unfold. That's crazy, man. And so, what was the, what was the next team for you, Miami? Uh, no, that's when I went to the Lakers after after Detroit, after my two ten days with the Phoenix Suns. That's that's when I uh, got a chance to play with or uh, earn a spot on the L.A. Lakers. Starters for the L.A. Lakers, man. Yes, As just a kid from New York City. Yeah. Well, any 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 um crazy Phil Jackson stories? Uh, 
Phil Jackson stories. Or just interesting. Uh, How about that? I'll, I'll tell you one quick one. Uh, okay. I, uh, I was playing for Phil Jackson. That's when he went through his uh, his back um, back surgery. And right, he had that like crazy seat. Yeah, he had yeah, the crazy high seat. Yeah. You know, he was moving <laughs> around. He was moving around gingerly. Couldn't be on his feet too much. So they, the, of course, the Lakers made accommodations for him and you know take stress off his back. You know, uh, I eat a high seat during uh, during uh, the Laker game. But what people didn't see on the outside was in a practice facility. Um, what do they call them now? Um, what the, the they call them hoverboards now? But they had like the, these this this hoverboard machine where you stand on it. You like like more like what's that mall cop? Yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> oh, it had the handles. Yeah, had yeah, the with handles the handles. Like so yeah. imagine in practice, you know, Phil Jackson's already six ten. 611. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and he walks around pretty slow and even slow with the back injury. They had uh like one of those I don't know what you call let's just for lack of a better word, just call it a Vespa. They had one of those um Vespas like for him to stand on and like, you know, move up and down the uh move up and down the court and move around during practice. So you just see like this big six ten, now seven feet guy just rolling around like he's Magneto. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Oh, that's like that's like almost like a movie. Yeah, no, it was it was it's pretty funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, you know I have to ask a Kobe question, even though we kind of know everything about it. Why do you feel like it didn't work out with you and Kobe? Uh, just differences in uh, in mentality and in basketball, no play. Um, we all know, you know, Kobe is uh, a Hall of Fame player, uh, top NBA player. Uh, arguably one of the, the best NBA players of all time. Um, so there's nothing that I can say <laughs> or do yeah. to kind of, you know, really sound uh, like whatever my mindset was at the time would, would be the correct one. It was just, you know what? It was just two young men at the time that had differences in personality and, and basketball at basketball uh, playing styles, and it, it, you know, pride got the best, the best of us. I know it got the best of me. Put it that way. Okay, it got the best of me. So, so it, so I kind of asked you this before, and you say you have no regrets. Is there anything you would have done differently with your years of the Lakers if you could look back at it now, like an older smush looking at the younger smush? Again, <laughs> if uh, I hadn't gone through those experiences, I wouldn't be wiser for it now. That is true. You know, so that is true. if I didn't go through it then, I'd still be suffering with being with actually it happening to me now. So I'm, I'm in a way I'm kind of glad that it happened to me earlier in my life than it is happening later to me in my life. Right, right. And to be honest, man, I'm I can't speak for you. I'm just from the outside looking in. I worked out with you ten years ago, and I just hooped with you yesterday, and you just seem a lot happier man to be honest oh that aura you know what you know i'm you know what it's ah god is good i might god, be wrong god. though man no no no, you know, no, I'm not no. i don't know what your yeah 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 your beliefs your spiritual beliefs are you know i you know i, I think you you know it's funny because i know your character you know rabbi drew <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I don't know if you're jewish or not i don't know if you believe in god i am jewish okay <laughs> 
uh, I was expecting to see you with your camera crew yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which, which, by the way, like I, I wasn't being facetious yesterday. That's that's it's, it's a great, yeah, that's great that what Thanks, you're doing man. with uh, Rabbi it. Drew and it's big. You just have to, you know, stay with it, man. Find that niche, and you know, you found it. Just continue to expand on that. Appreciate um, that, man. But God is good. You know, I have, good, you know, uh, I have God now in my life. And that's that I, I contribute everything, you know, my happiness, my joy, my peace uh, to, you know, to having God in my life now. And it's funny. That's that's my story. That That's actually my testimony. You know, back then when I was playing in the NBA, you know, I I, I fulfilled my dreams, you know, growing up in New York right. City. I made it to the NBA. I saw Michael Jordan doing it, and I made it to where Michael Jordan played. I, 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 I accomplished my dreams. I had the money, the cars, the fame, the fortune, the women, the jewelry, anything you net. You, I was giving my family money. I was able to support my family, my sister, my my parents, and I was still unhappy. Wow. And it's it's uh, unfortunate because you think you would think. That you know, you know things that you would you would think would make you happy, they really don't. You know, you could spend you could spend a lifetime trying to achieve certain things, you know, certain accomplishments, and they still won't make you happy. You'll always be searching for more. Like for me, I was always searching for more. How and I look back on it, I made it to the NBA. What did I have? Why was I not happy? Yeah. Why was I? Why wasn't I happy? I made it. I accomplished my dreams. Why wasn't I happy? And, and what's the re- And what do you feel the reason is? Because I I didn't have God, you know, and I and I find that now because I, here I am now. Like you said, I'm so much happier now. But I don't have the NBA anymore. I don't have the money, the fortune, the fame, the cars, the girls, the jewelry. I'm not playing on TNT or ESPN or SportsCenter every night. I don't have you know two million followers on my Instagram like some of these, you know, uh, NBA players, um, even high school players now. Um, no man, the guy, the, actually, the guys, the NBA players have less followers yeah, than just yeah. the dudes that do the funny stuff on Instagram. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> that's the crazy I, part. I don't, I don't, I don't have all of that, but I do right. have God now, and I feel happier. And I'm, you know, praise God that it shows. But yeah, I, I'm definitely more happy than I, I'm. I'm happier now uh, without all of that stuff than I was with it, and that's because I have God. It's amazing, man. I'm I'm glad you found happiness. Um, and I see you got a lot of things going on, camps, clinics. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah. Well, you know, you can definitely for for my following or for your following, if they want to follow me, I'm on Smush Park Elite, uh, IG, Facebook, Smush Park Elite. Uh, I have my own website, SmushParkElite.com. Um, right now, I'm into uh, you know depositing what I've learned. In my from my 16, 17 year basketball career, right? Uh, the things I've learned basketball here, here at the NBA level and overseas level, into the kids, into the next generation, into you know guys trying to make it to where I made it to. I want to pass that knowledge off. I don't want to, you know, die with it. I don't want to, you know, keep it all to myself. And it's it's time for me to, you know, uh, not step away from the game, but you know, it's it's time for me to teach. So yep. I've been, uh, I'm doing camps and clinics. I'm giving actually, uh, I'm on a world tour right now. And I call it a world tour because that's where I want to end up. 
all over the globe, but right now it's national. Speak I'm it like, into existence. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna yeah. happen. I'm, it's I gonna believe happen. It. Um, I believe it. But uh, it's a national tour. I'm giving free clinics around the United States. Um, it's it's free to the kids. Uh, you know, I just I try to deposit some of some of, again some of the information, the knowledge, the secrets that I've learned uh, over the years into them, and that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm working with kids now. That is awesome. Uh, just giving back, man. It's just it's so fulfilling, you know. Yes, sir. Taking everything you learn, giving back. And on top of it, where can we get Smush Parker merchandise, man? I really like the headband you were opening yesterday. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wasn't able to get you one. I left too soon. But I, I got one. And you know what? You know what's funny? I actually got the Combos Court socks. And I'm going to wear it at my, uh, my clinic tomorrow. I, hey. I don't know if you're going to be able to make it, but uh, I'm going to definitely uh, get some definitely pictures. Definitely take some pictures. Yeah, I'm going to get some pics in them, and I'm, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to definitely uh, promo your stuff, man. It's, a, it's definitely a good look. I definitely man. support Anybody, you know, especially guys from New York, you know, right. I get guys trying to make it out of New York City, man. I, I have an, uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to sound, you know, weird, but I definitely have an affection for guys who are, you know, trying to make it out the way, the same way I made it out. A hundred percent. And I'm not all about, you know, uh, you know, just building myself up and not, you know, helping anybody else. If I have a platform, we all have a platform. And and I'm definitely looking forward to. We're gonna figure it out. I'm gonna make it to some of your clinics. Yes, sir. And uh, hopefully one day we could travel the world together, man. Doing camps and kid clinics, that'd be awesome. Yeah, man. dope. That'll be dope, man. Let's do it. Let's plan. Uh, appreciate you being here. You're always oh. welcome back if you want to talk about basketball or anything else, man. Yeah, you know what? I wanna, let me. Let, I, I definitely want to mention this though because I'm actually sitting in the office of The Rock, you know, John Stoke, the creator of The Rock Basketball. I don't know if you're familiar okay. with him. Of course. Like, they had the um, they had a lot of, uh, like, uniforms back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Anaconda Sports. Yeah. He, he's the one that started Anaconda Sports before. There was, like, Models and Dick Sporting Goods and Paragons okay. and things like that. It was Anaconda Sports. John Stoke, the creator of The Rock. I'm sitting in the office right now. We're about to uh, know talk some business uh he he's actually sponsoring the balls for my uh, basketball camp tomorrow but me and him you know on the business side we have some you know big things that we're working towards uh you know we we're, we're we're going we're going for a guinness book of world records wow yeah we're, we're we're working towards that we're working towards making that happen i'm i'm looking forward you to know? seeing so it so hopefully you know uh when things when we get things you know going we could definitely keep you informed and you can inform your followers maybe you could follow with us and or be a part of somehow some way but we have just wait on it i always you know hashtag wait on it i'm telling you, there's things in the works i'll be here man you know where to find me man yes sir you know where to find me yes sir <laughs> bush man i appreciate you you're always welcome back let's chop it up soon on combos court man yes sir let's do it talk to you soon bush thanks Rabbi for everything Drew. appreciate you we out here <laughs> There it is, episode 29. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big shouts to Smush for joining in. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, write on your Apple Podcast app. Be on the lookout for episode 30. Combo out.